0: Welcome to the Behind the Vision podcast. In this episode we have on podcast legend Devin Winter who is the founder of Into Motion Media and also a day trader. Devin shares with us an update on his progress towards purchasing a Porsche, a mini sales masterclass and takes us through his journey of purchasing his first rental property. It's going to be an epic episode and hope you enjoy it. The long-awaited question and update on the Porsche. Dude, you ask this every single time.
1: <laughs> no, I'm kind of going in a different direction now. I'm gonna get a Geo tracker. It's the next car.
0: Is that a van? <laughs> no, it's like a that?
1: it's like a it's kind of like a Jeep style car, but they're old. They're like in the 90s and they're mm. super sick. So I'm gonna get that. That's my next car, I think. Okay, I'm still getting a GT4. This is the last yeah, year they're well, that's, making yeah the update. The, this is the last year they're actually making uh, gas powered GT4s, and they're going electric. So, mm. um, but yeah. no, I'm good right now. I don't feel like I really want one. I mean, our driveway here like couldn't even get that thing in here. Like,
0: we could park on the side of the street, right?
1: Yeah. <laughs> in the same street that you drive on? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's just not time yet. I don't even feel like I want one yet. There's, like, other things I'd prioritize. So maybe uh, a few years, five years, something. I just want to, like, spend all my money on travel, investing, and just that right now and, like, more experiential stuff. I feel like I can drive a car until... I'm like 110, where there's some things that you can only do when you're young, but you can drive a car for quite a while. You for know? sure. So definitely came to that realization. It's probably a lot different of an answer from the first time on the podcast. And you asked me that. It's probably yeah. like, I was next probably year. like uh, four years ago or five years ago. And I was probably like, I'm going to get one next year.
0: You know? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to be buying up, like I'm going to have a few properties by then. Like yeah. it's going to
1: be through the roof it's actually a good point like i mean it's crazy when you're young i mean i think i saw a statistic that like 80 percent of this isn't an exact number but like an 80 like 80 percent of 16 year olds think they're going to be millionaires by the time they're 25 or something like that and the actual statistic is like 0.0 hmm. some percent right mm-hmm. so it's actually crazy to even look back at like my goals and I'm sure some of your goals as well, when you look back at them and just be like, Whoa, like I was on some shit. <laughs> like, yeah. like I thought everything took a year or two to accomplish when um there's just so much larger of a time frame that it takes to achieve like really big things a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Um and that's totally fine, you know?
0: Yeah. The ambition the ambition level is like through the roof. And we definitely didn't hit a lot of goals we set, but we also got somewhere, which is good.
1: Hundred percent, yeah. If we didn't have those like huge goals, we wouldn't have been as ambitious as we were on a daily basis to like achieve those. Yeah, um, but it's also like fine to just change your priorities over time, and to just uh, things that are important to you will change over time. Mm-hmm. Like some the things that are important to me now will not be the things that are as important to me when I'm 55. Like my priorities of how I want to spend my time and my money and what I want out of life will be completely different Mm -hmm. for everyone over
0: their lifespan, you know? Yeah. What would you say your priorities were back then compared to now?
1: My priorities back then were probably far more materialistic. and less experiential than they are now. I don't know if they came out of like insecurities insecurities at all or like what that looked like, but I definitely just wanted the typical like fast car, big house, insane travel. And just like that kind of like a lot of things. I wanted a lot of things. And now I look at what I want and it's more just experiences and, travel and time with friends and family and experiencing things with cool people. Um, it's far more of a priority right now, as well as now I've realized that I get a lot of my enjoyment from like the game itself, the game of like the game guys, the game. The <laughs> fucking, yeah. I know it sounds like super cliche, but I genuinely, well, the for me, making money is more fun than having money. Mm -hmm. Um, I like that game. Mm -hmm. That is the game I like to play, and that's what's fun for me. So, the best way I can win at that game is by holding off on
0: a lot of those things and continuing to play the game to the best of my ability. Mm. What do you think changed that during that period of, like, more of the materialistic things to wanting more freedom, time with friends and family, type of thing?
1: Um, I just probably just matured and realized what's really important, and to me, not what I want people just to see from the outside looking in. Um, I still want like a cool car and stuff one day. Like, I still want the GT four one day, all of that stuff. I still want a beautiful home one day. Mm. I already have a beautiful home as well, but um, at the end of the day, like I. I now am okay with delaying those things and I'm, I I, I, do, I want those things because I want them, not because I want. Mm-hmm. Not because I saw someone online that had them mm-hmm. and, you know, wanted that for that reason. Yeah. Um,
0: Was it like a video you saw online or like a book you read that helped change that perspective shift for you? Mm, I don't know, to be honest. Because we live in, like, America, and a lot of it is driven by, like, consumerism. Yeah. Of a lot of people, and I feel like if, I mean, it's, it could just be the people you're surrounded by, with, too, and, like, what they value, because I feel like if you're in the a community of people that consume a lot, mm-hmm. you also will. And just in general, like, the American population, they're always, like, buying things, materialistic. So, like, if you get into that group, I feel like you just almost... If you're not strong enough, you'll get pulled into like that mindset of things.
1: Totally. Yeah, you're right about that for sure. Yeah, like our friend group isn't very materialistic at all. No. Like we don't get a high from going out and buying things constantly. <laughs> so that definitely helps. I think I think a lot of young people, and I'm still young, um, but like a lot of people when they're first starting out are motivated by the more materialistic things and if that's what it takes to like get off the ground and to like start working towards something Mm -hmm. that's totally fine um and then i think like as you grow priorities just change you know like probably for you as well you you probably were on a similar journey i mean in the sense like now you want to be fully uh Fully homeless in the next year. Tell me a little bit about that. <laughs> like, yeah, like that. Probably, I mean, was that always initially a
0: goal, or like? Well, I was wanted to be a digital nomad. I remember when we were in the Fit Apartments, which was like years ago, right when I moved down to Minneapolis and stayed with you. Like, I remember watching YouTube videos. I think I spent like a whole day trying to like figure out digital nomad and like exploring it because I was so attracted to that lifestyle. And I wanted to like try it out mm-hmm. because I just think the ability to explore wherever you want, while also having like the freedom and being able to work wherever was just really cool to me. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I would say that's definitely evolved and now having like a better opportunity to do that. Um, I'm pumped for. So yeah, it's gonna be sick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think things have,
1: for some people a very large weight that gets added onto their shoulders like if you have 10 houses all around the world it's going to be a lot more weight on your shoulders than it's just like having one home if you have 10 cars it's going to be a lot more weight on your shoulders right it's a lot more responsibility a lot more material things that are holding you back from true freedom and i think more things take away from your freedom and for me money buys freedom um but if you use the money to buy things your freedom then gets taken away
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: and i didn't know that back then You kind of have to go through life to like learn things like that Mm -hmm. um so yeah yeah
0: what does true freedom look like for you um, so like location freedom, like almost like a day in the life type of thing, freedom.
1: Oh, just simply never being told what to do or say, you know, how many people can't say what the, is really on their mind because they're afraid of getting fired from their job, afraid that a client is going to leave them afraid that the people around them are no gonna, longer going to like them. Like, I want to be able to do and say, and well already can and say whatever i want and not be told how to live my life mm-hmm. um and if i think a big thing recently too is like if i'm not liking how something is going where i'm living or like i i want to be able to just like leave and have that freedom and if you have a lot of things you can't do that mm-hmm. it a lot harder so freedom for me is be able to do whatever it is you want all day long, say whatever it is you want, even if it's absurd, absurd stuff and not completely lose your entire life over it. Mm. So
0: what is it like the most absurd thing you send to a client? Have said to a client? Yeah,
1: <laughs> that's a good question. I, I haven't I mean, I haven't said anything. I don't know. I haven't said anything like crazy. I mean, I'm
0: trying to think. Could be anything, I guess. Most absurd interaction or um, something. Have I said anything to you recently? I'm trying to think.
1: For me? Oh, we had. Uh, we didn't say anything to them, though. They said something to us. No, nothing too. Nothing. I've never had to like step in fully. I mean, we have some clients that we can like joke around with and stuff a lot, but nothing like too, nothing like too absurd. Ryan, Ryan's more the guy that likes like, <laughs> <laughs> to like
0: joke around with the clients. Yeah, dude, yeah you should with Ryan to
1: have him, yeah. have him manage like, that. Like one time we were at a client's uh, spot, I'm not going to say the client, but we were filming like. The process of them making their product Mm -hmm. and they like had um like a machine that like makes the product right and they wanted to like clean it up a little bit for the shot which is normal like clean it up a little bit Mm -hmm. and ryan (laughs) straight up says no do not clean that machine we want to show the real that company (laughs) And I just thought that was hilarious, and they like we work with a lot of our clients very consistently. So like they completely were laughing their asses off too. <laughs> like it's just, <coughs> I thought that was that was pretty funny, just like completely joking, obviously. Like, mm-hmm. but yeah, that was that was probably a recent thing. But nothing like absurd that we've had to say to clients. Thankfully, mm. not afraid to if we have to, but. Mm-hmm. Usually uh, usually, we're on the same page from the beginning. So mm. there's probably something. I mean, I've done this for like seven years now. There's mm. probably something, but I just can't remember
0: it. What's mm. been like the hardest conversation you've had to have with a client in the last seven years? Mm.
1: Um, so it's been like, quite a few there's been like a few conversations because the creative space is interesting where the client and this isn't all the clients but the client may like know the deliverables that they want but they don't know what they want them to look like so then you collaborate with them to kind of figure out what it should look like and how the campaign should look You then create it and it isn't something they actually wanted. Mm. Um, So you have to have a lot of hard conversations at the end of projects if that's the case. Mm
0: -hmm. How do you like resolve something like that? So
1: now we try to resolve it in the beginning. Like we try to set expectations super clear based off of what they're actually looking to achieve. Um, So we don't have to deal with that as much. But in the past we just are like open to doing whatever we have to do to get it to the point where they want it. Mm -hmm. Um, But we're also not pushovers in the sense where we're going to let them take advantage of us and we're going to be slaving away at this project for months on end. Um, So yeah, like we had a project recently with a client this fall and we shot We edited, we did revisions. He wanted additional shoot, additional deliverables, more revisions. And then finally I was like, we need to wrap this up, right? Like we need to finish this project. So literally what we did was hopped on a call and edited the video live with him. And I'm like, let's go through this entire video and figure out what you want changed about it and do it right on the spot. He started from the beginning and went all the way through the video and changed every little piece he wanted. Mm. And at the end I was like, all right, we just did everything you wanted. Like Anything else? And he's like, Nope, should be good. And we mm. just ended the project. Like good to go. Nice. Um, but that was a very p- perfect example of like he wanted something and we uh he maybe had a vision for something, mm-hmm. and that vision maybe changed along the way of what that project looked like mm-hmm. and by the end, it was completely different uh so it can just be a mess in that way, yeah, but, yeah, you just have to be very upfront, I think as creatives it's you can get pushed around a lot in the space um but you- you definitely have to hold your ground and um set expectations clear in the beginning and if they want additional stuff you have to charge extra Mm -hmm. you can't just let a project get extended months and months and not be paid for it Mm -hmm. you know
0: yeah yeah what does that i mean what does that look like in terms of communication on your side if a client reaches out and is kind of like trying to push the boundaries a little bit pushing the boundaries in the beginning right away Yeah, push or at the end too. just like if they're pushing boundaries where they're trying to maybe add things that weren't in your contract. Mm. They're trying to get more edits out of you. Like what would a typical like response from you look like?
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. So basically, a lot of times what you want to do is you want to say you want to you don't want it to because people have a hard time bringing up like payment or money in conversations of business and they make it very awkward. So instead of bringing up the fact that they charge an additional hourly rate for additional work, they'll just say, screw it, I'll do it for free because I don't even want to have that conversation. Mm -hmm. But you're leaving a ton of money on the table and time. So what I will do is say, say someone is like, hey, we love how it's looking, but we do want to do an additional, just one hour shoot. You know, they always try to make it seem small so that way you don't charge them extra. Just one hour, quick little shoot and uh just some tweaks to the actual editing. Um and that's all. And you'll be like, you'll respond and you'll say, awesome, that sounds great. We are more than happy to do that. Um I just wanted to go ahead and attach below the original contract with the original deliverables. Um as you can see in the contract we do charge uh an additional this much for the one hour shooting and then an additional this much per hour of editing. Mm-hmm. So at the end, we the cost will come out to this for that additional work. Would you like to move forward on that? If so, here are some shoot days that work to do that additional shoot. And here's the day we will have the additional revisions completed. Mm-hmm. And they can review the contract, the original scope of work, the original deliverables, see that this goes past that, and see how much it would cost to do that additional work. Mm-hmm. And they can say yes or no. It's like that simple.
0: Yeah. What if they try... Almost not paying you for that second payment because you're not willing to do this.
1: Not paying you the final half? Yeah. So yeah, I've run into this probably twice, maybe three times um, over the years where clients are not paying the second half because of whatever reason. I don't know, to be honest. It could be because they simply weren't, it didn't align with, this vision in their head. Um, and it came out differently, but we still completed it to the best of our ability and they've seen our past work and stuff like that. So it's maybe been like twice. And what we have done is so they'll usually ghost you, right? Like they usually won't respond. They're not paying an invoice. It's late at this point. Um, we have someone that takes care of all that that'll call them. Um, and basically, well, actually every single time we've had that person call them Mm -hmm. They'll say something along the lines of, "Hey, we saw the invoice was late. Um, we're going to give you till the end of the day to pay it, or else we'll have to take further action." And it'll get paid that day every single time, mm-hmm. from from my experience. Mm-hmm. But we haven't dealt with that in a long time. Um, it's never. It's usually like the smaller clients that can be more of a hassle, in that in that case, and um, all of our clients who we work with now don't ever that mm-hmm. um, because we work with them consistently too so if they don't pay we're just not going to do the next project for sure so there's we both that's what's nice about the clients we have now is we both need each other like they need us to create videos so that way their business is more successful um, and we need them as a client to operate our business as well mm-hmm. so when you have that mutual respect with a company it just isn't a problem because you both need each other. And sometimes the one-off projects with small companies um that you aren't working with consistently and don't even plan on working with in the future, that's where things can sometimes be a bit more dicey because you don't have that mutual respect built yet,
0: you know? Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, continuing to like look back since you built Into Motion Media, what have you learned about like sales during that process? <laughs> Because you're like, like, sales king, good at it. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I mean,
1: sales is fun for me, so it's always been fun to like learn about, um, and to like get better at. But so, the one thing with sales is uh, like, I have a basic rule that I only use my sales uh, ability if I and I, I honestly only can use it if I actually think that this project is right for them and that they are a good fit as a client. And I'm honestly not good at sales if they're not a good fit. Like I can't just BS my way through. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I've learned a lot about sales. And the biggest thing that has helped me in the within my business and on the sales side of thing is being prepared to solve problems within their business that they might not even know they have. So a lot of companies will reach out to you wanting a single video, maybe an about us video, right? And I can go on their website and their social media and look at the current marketing they're doing and see that they might need an about us video, testimonial videos. Maybe they have job listings they're struggling to hire. We can do a recruitment campaign within there as well. Um, and then maybe they just built a new warehouse and we could do a warehouse tour video. We could get this all done within one project and the cost per video will get brought down dramatically if we do that all in one campaign than if we just did one video. Mm-hmm. So I go into the call ready to lay it all on the table and uh, share with them a bigger solution than just one video would do. And they're going to be much happier about that because it shows that we did our research and actually looked into different ways we could provide value to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, as far as like actually selling people on things,
0: um, oh, before you go there, yeah, uh, it seems like a good benefit to like you when someone first reaches out about a specific thing. It seems like a a good way to go about it is you do like a larger research to bring. More opportunity to like sell, but also like benefit their business compared to just focusing like the specific thing, which I think is really good. Yeah, like you're bringing more opportunities to the table than just the one thing they mentioned.
2: Because mm-hmm.
1: there's always more, and that benefits you as well because you get to land a bigger project then mm-hmm. too. So they get more solutions, you get to land a bigger project, and you're more likely to land the project because they see the bigger picture of things as well. Mm. So. From there, you can increase your profit dramatically on that individual project. And say you're able to quadruple the size of the project because you sold them on a ton of additional work. Now you need one-fourth of the projects per year to be able to do the same amount of revenue, Mm -hmm. which is huge. Yeah. Um, As far as like selling people on things, the number one thing is being a likable person. Like you have to, they have to like you, right? Like they have to know they're going to enjoy working with you. So I always tell my story because obviously early on and still I look young, um, but especially years and years ago, I looked like a kid, right? Mm -hmm. So I would always share my story of how I got into it and I share my experience. So I say, first thing I say is I started in this industry seven years ago worked with nearly 200 companies. So right there, seven years of experience. I am young, but I have seven years of experience and I've worked with nearly 200 companies in the video space. So right there, credibility. Mm -hmm. And then I go into how I got started in video. Just started as a hobby, something that was fun. Um, Had a company approach us, took on the project, ended up really enjoying it. Um, And then I go into our mission, which is to make video easy to incorporate into marketing. Um, So I talk a little bit about the early stages, how, you know, we had clients that loved using video, but they weren't purchasing it all the time. So I asked them why they weren't purchasing it all the time. And they, they had said, because video was hard to incorporate into their marketing, it was expensive, time consuming, and they always had to put multiple people onto the project. Hmm. So that's when we, create our mission to make it easier to incorporate into marketing. Mm -hmm. Um, so then we talk a little bit about that mission and then we talk about how we're able to do that and the processes that we have set up and that's what separates us from everyone else. Um, from there, I kind of go into the timeline of things. Here's what it looks like from start to finish of working with us. So if we were to start today, I would say if we were to start today, we could have it completed by this date. Um, usually before I say that, I ask them when they need it completed by, just so I have Mm -hmm. an idea of their timeline as well. Mm -hmm. And usually they say as soon as possible. Mm. Um, and that's when you have to back up and set some
0: boundaries for yourself. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Completed by tomorrow, you know? No, no,
1: definitely not. Um, so yeah. And then usually, you know, they have to think about it, this and that, um, or sometimes they're just ready to go, but. It really depends on the size of the company, I would say. like A larger company can't just commit. Um, they have to get it like approved by people above them in the company or their boss or whatever that may look like. Um, where if I'm talking to the owner directly, sometimes they'll just be ready to go. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't actually know a lot about sales. I think I'm just naturally good at it from putting in the reps. And that's like anything, right? If you do it enough, you'll naturally become good at it and mm-hmm. become more comfortable. Biggest thing is just not being awkward and not and, and being likable. Um people like to work with people they enjoy being around. Mm-hmm. They don't want to work with you on a two month project if you're gonna be a pain in the ass. So yeah. Yeah. What have you learned about because you're freelance now, mm-hmm. what's something you've learned about sales and the client facing side of things and that whole experience?
0: Dude. My sales knowledge is probably nothing compared to yours. <laughs> You're way better <laughs> at sales. Yeah, yeah. I got to um, come in on some of those calls. <laughs> yeah. Um, for sales, what has really helped is being able to obviously like have social proof there. Because for sales, I can also think of it as like the e-commerce sense for trying to get someone to convert higher. So it's like sales communicating a little bit about yourself. Or not sales, social proof. Communicating like a little bit about yourself, how you basically got there and then what they really want. Like someone wants to feel like you understand what they want and you can complete it in a reasonable time frame. Mm-hmm. That's like a big thing. And just being able, like if you have aspirations of starting something in the future, start connecting with people now because I knew that from myself putting in work to do a podcast, putting myself out there in like the Minneapolis community. I knew that was later on in life going to help me with whatever route I may pursue. And I feel like that's that's something that can be super helpful for anyone wanting to start something in the future is just start putting yourself out there now because the seeds you plant now will grow into something bigger later. So, yeah, that's that's huge because it's been cool to see because you have like a full book of
1: business and you're a few months in four Mm -hmm. or five months in Mm -hmm. how have you been able to do that or do you have advice for someone that is about to like take that leap to doing their own thing how they can achieve that as well because most people start out and they're slow and slow and slowly over Mm -hmm. time they build up to where they have a sustainable business but you've you managed to do it like month one Mm -hmm. like bring in tons of clients what's the What'd you do?
0: Yeah, I think it's uh it can come down to like skill set too. Like I was I was I devoted a lot of my years working within an agency, developing like my skill set around something. So first you should have a solid skill set around kind of what you're doing, or at least case studies or something you can show that will attract people to what you want. For like me, one advantage that I have is in like the Shopify e-commerce realm, because I focus more on like the development side, I can help people make more money, and that's what'll attract a lot of people. So if you're a photographer, if you're in a branding, how can you showcase things you've done that have helped other people improve their business? I know with like branding, it's more difficult because you're incorporating something that is you know difficult, maybe harder to track. But I think that's a big thing: is just being able to create and showcase case studies that you've done in the past is a big one. And also another one is putting yourself out there and being uncomfortable with it. Like if you got to shoot some videos, if you got to take some photos, put yourself out there and make sure people know what you're doing. That will help a lot because that's going to attract people to you. Um, the the biggest reason I'm on social media now and it's kind of like the only reason is to just help with like business stuff. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like putting myself out there will only help get more business in. And that's where you see a lot of people that run agencies. They're the ones putting out the content and they're less so probably doing like the work itself. Mm -hmm. So you want to be able to lead with creating content and doing things that others find more difficult because like a lot of developers, they may not want to like create content, uh, stuff like that, just because it's a very like, uh, you're just kind of like staring at a laptop. You're not like developing social skills a lot or mm-hmm. talking with people. So the more you can like push yourself into that uncomfortable area that you maybe don't want to dive into and put yourself out there that will attract people and you'll find the right people for it. For sure.
1: Yeah. Like what you said too, about the creating services or value that saves business money or makes them more money. Cause that's super key when we go back to like sales as well, or just um, having a successful business is, mm-hmm they want to see some sort of monetary return and it's very measurable in the sense, like if you can make the money or save the money, Mm -hmm. there is no reason for them not to purchase your product, right? As long as what you're doing is good. So no matter what, if you're in like the B2B space, like that should be your main focus is how can I save this company money or make them more money because then they can't say no to me. They Mm -hmm. can, but, why would they? It would not be smart for them to not pay $10,000 for something that could save them $50,000 over the next few years. Why wouldn't they do it? Mm-hmm. And it could save them a lot of time. Time is an asset as well. So mm-hmm. thinking about all of that stuff when providing services in the B2B space is huge. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of individuals don't think about it. Like agencies think about that stuff a lot, but a lot of like freelancers and stuff don't think about that. They just... Go to a company they're like we can make this look really cool and the company's like we're gonna pay you all this money to make something look really cool and not that that's a bad thing like there is value there Mm -hmm. but
0: it's gonna be a hot lot harder for them to get them to say yes Mm -hmm. yeah that's super true and one thing that i was just thinking about is like if you're a videographer a photographer a creative whatever If you can pull someone in, whether that be an ad buyer, someone on, like, a website, like, I'll do optimizations on site and A-B test what you're delivering to this brand and have them A-B test it, you will be able to see the impact you make through the work you give. So, like, if a – and this is something that I've, like, rarely seen people do. Like, if you're a photographer shooting for an e-commerce brand and you have photos and they're going to upload to your site – ask that these be A-B tested against what they currently have set up. Because once that happens, you'll be able to get basically information of how your new photos perform compared to their older photos. And you'll be able to use that to help sell your services better because you'll be able to be like, these photos I took, they help increase the revenue of this brand by like 5K a month or something. That's that's what brands want to see. So the more you're able to try to like not yourself do the a b testing but like pulling people that know how to do it um the better case studies you'll be able to create for sure with numbers hard Mm -hmm. numbers like yeah here's what we
1: did Mm -hmm. yeah that's cool Mm -hmm. that's cool i feel like that's very especially in your industry like you could have so many case studies just cut from the kind of work you do in how Mm -hmm. much testing and a b and how much before and after you do you could literally screenshot the revenue before you start working with them Mm -hmm. and screenshot the revenue after and Mm -hmm. like literally get to see direct results that you produced Mm -hmm. and you know it was from the work you did yeah so that's cool Mm -hmm. yeah you should have like a like your website one day should literally just be that like just huge case studies Mm -hmm. just before after before after yeah like that's literally all you need here's what here's before here's what we did Here's the after. Mm -hmm. And then you can just like go through those, and that's your sales right there. Mm -hmm. It's like, do you want to 100x here? Nice. (laughs) 100x right now in the next seven days.
0: Let's go. Yeah. But I mean, not like you also have to keep in mind that sometimes not all the tests that you do are going to outperform the work you did. Mm -hmm. If you take photos, you test it, they don't work you still want to get paid kind of for that project you did and you have to communicate that you're not guaranteeing results for them, Mm -hmm. but this is kind of you're you're implementing the same method you've done that has been like proven for other brands. Um, and you don't want to get that messed up with them. And even if it is your, even if it is maybe like your first or second time trying this method, you just have to keep going because you're going to fail and you just have to keep going. You're going to have wins, fails, fails, wins type of things. So,
1: all right, we are back. Austin just spilled coffee all over our white rug. Um, nice. Austin, so let's... So, so sell me on the fact, because we're kind of talking about sales, sell me on the fact why I
0: shouldn't make you buy me a new rug. <laughs> So this rug has been in the family Since you got your new house And I would just hate to see This new rug that Has been here since the start Just like disappear like that I feel like, you know, Lola's scratched on it It has lots of Emotional connection to it Mm -hmm. And character Deep Um, You know, it, it, it also makes the couch Have almost like this white fur accent To it sometimes Just from like the white carpet for being pulled up onto the couch and i would hate to lose that too so true okay i'm sold on you. sold it. i forget okay. yeah thank you <laughs> um, where were we i totally forgot <laughs> we were talking was there something around sales and uh monetary return oh yeah it was a a-b testing or something yeah. a-b testing Results. oh yeah we were
1: talking about how yeah as like the like as Like, for example, you going in and making changes to a Shopify site and doing a ton of work for optimization. If the business still fails, it isn't just your fault. Yeah. Like, yes, you are going in and trying your hardest to create results, but it's not your business. You're not in full control of what happens within that business and the decisions that the people running the business make. So your goal is to go in and do the best work you can and hopefully it produces results. And most of the time it will. Right? If you're doing a good job at what you do, most of the time it will create results. But every now and then, mm-hmm. the founder may make some dumb decisions or just not run things properly and that's not your fault and that's not even your place to make those decisions because it's not your business. So mm-hmm. yeah, you're there to do your job and your job only.
0: Yeah. Looking back at, you know, the last seven years, is there anything you wish you would have done differently during the time period of, like, 2018, 2019, I feel like when, um, you know, things... You moved down to Minneapolis and things started, like, really growing for you? Yeah, I mean, in hindsight, there's always things I'd do
1: differently. I think the biggest thing... So I'm glad... I'm happy with, like, everything I did video-wise. Obviously, there's, like, a lot of ways I could have maximized um, clients within the business a lot better back in the day. Um, Even just talking about how now we sell people on a lot larger campaigns back then we would just do like one-off videos all the time it could have doubled the revenue back then easily like easily so like in hindsight but you don't know that stuff until you know i think the biggest thing for me is honestly more on like the trading side of things um and just taking it more serious back then because obviously i've been trading for a long time as well but a lot of those early years i just didn't take it as serious as i should have been so i wasn't going to succeed at it until i decided to do that um, where if I would have taken it serious from the very beginning, as serious as I do now, um, I'd be way further along in that journey, mm. you know, mm-hmm. but
0: yeah. How about you? Anything? You oh, wanna, wanna? I want to, I want to add one question to yeah, that. Go ahead. Go ahead. If you were to take a time machine back to like 18, 19 year old Devin, but you only get a minute to tell him something, what would you tell him? Oh, Wow. Um, I would tell him to enjoy the journey
1: because back then I, I was so focused on end results and so focused on getting to where I wanted to be, which like I said, was a lot of those materialistic things and wasn't as focused on just having fun along the way. Um,
0: dude, we had some fun. We'd go out, you know, Friday night, go to Target and get some food, (laughs) get some snacks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But like we,
1: uh. Like I was always and still am in many ways. Like maybe I should take this advice now as well as I live in the future quite often um, because I am excited for the future. But I should also just be like excited for the now. Mm -hmm. Um, I am a lot better at it. But back then I was always just like, I'll be happy when I'm there. And that's like a very bad mindset to be in. Like I will be happy when i achieve this or i will be happy when i get to this place in life but why not just be happy for where you are at currently Mm -hmm. and it's a hard balance because some of my success probably came from that feeling as well um that feeling of i'll be happy when i get there and then Mm -hmm. i work my ass off until i get there and then that motive changes that goal changes Mm -hmm. Um, So it's maybe like a reason I've had success in the things that I've done. But how can you find a balance of being super happy with where you are at currently and super content, but also wanting the world, wanting like a ton of money, a ton of freedom, whatever house you want to buy, whatever cars you want to buy, the best life for your future family. Like, how can I be super happy with where I'm at? but also still want that and still have the drive to do that because I don't want to just be super happy with where I'm at and just be like, okay, I'm good here, which isn't going to happen because that's not who I am. But finding that balance, I mean, how do you do it? I don't know. I don't have the answer to it. Mm. Do you ever feel like you've dealt with that at any point in life or do you feel like you've felt that at all? Mm.
0: Well, I think a lot of the material things you probably don't want everything up because that's only going to pull you into attachment of like having to do something to make car payments. I'm going to do something to make house payments type of thing. So anything that's like material, you're entering that world of then having to do something almost to like, make sure those things work. Anything not material, those are everything in the pre- present moment. And you basically do the best you can in the present moment for those things. Because anything that you think about the past like the future has not happened yet or it has already happened and you can't do anything about that
1: yeah that's true yeah you never want to get at least for me personally i'm sure for you as well austin i never want to get to a point in life where i feel like i can't take large risks like i like putting it all on the table i like taking risks i like mm-hmm. trying new things and i'm not afraid to take risks i know way too many people that didn't take the risk and and didn't get the life they wanted because they weren't willing to risk anything. Yeah. They were always playing it safe. They were never going to leave the job. They were never going to invest in this or that. Mm -hmm. They were never going to, you know, take that leap or that risk. And I've just seen that too many times. Um, I will never, I never want to be in that position. And I get how people get there is, you know, you have a kid and you, and maybe things will change then too. But like, You have a kid and you have bills, you have a car payment, you have a house payment, you have all these responsibilities that you can't leave your job because you have all this shit to pay for. And for me, I like to keep my living expenses and like what I need to survive as low as possible. So that way I can take everything else and push it to the center of the table and put it all on the line Mm -hmm. when I feel I see an opportunity and I'm not afraid to do that. Mm -hmm. And I would be afraid to do that If I had all these bills stacked up and was living paycheck to paycheck and always needed that next thing in order to um, just survive, like, no. Mm -hmm. So that's like, I always want to be in the position to take risks.
0: Yeah. And once you've already done one thing, you can do it again. If you know how to make money one time, you can make money again. Mm -hmm. So you being comfortable now with losing a lot of money to take risk on things is much better now than if you were to do it like five years ago where making money was maybe a little more difficult.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I can go like find money now if needed. Yeah. And like don't need much. You know, you just don't need much. Like mm-hmm. you're the same you're the same way. You don't need much to like get by each month. Um and be happy. And because It's also different when you get your happiness from taking the risks because that fills you up to Mm -hmm. take that risk. It doesn't like dawn on you that you're taking risk. Yeah. Um, But I think it's fun and I think that kind of goes back to just like enjoying the game as well because the game, in the game of business or trading or whatever you're trying to do, like you have to take a risk every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, but I think calculator risk is important. You should mm-hmm. throw all your chips on the table on something that has a very low chance of succeeding, even if you give it your all mm-hmm. so like for you if you would you would probably put all your chips on the table if you were starting something in the niche that you specialize in, which is e commerce, mm-hmm. and if you were confident in your ability to succeed at that, why not throw all
0: your chips on the table for sure? You know, mm-hmm. so yeah, I'm gonna invest all my stocks in the Shopify. Everything's going mm-hmm. into Shopify. Your whole life, whole life. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yes. I'm gonna move to Toronto, live by the Shopify headquarters. No, not binoculars. You okay. won't find me in Canada. <laughs> yeah, no, you won't find Austin in Canada. You can barely
1: handle it here. <laughs> yep. Speaking of uh the cold, we
0: did a little cold uh, cold this morning. We did. How do you How do you feel after that? I feel good. I feel like I've. Worked out. Feels like a post workout feel kind of. We should tell thing what we it. I guess
1: we, Austin and I, bought a cold plunge and it's like negative two here this morning in Minnesota. We filled it up with water yesterday, mm-hmm. got an axe, cracked that thing open, cracked the ice open, and Austin lasted
0: almost six minutes in
1: it. I lasted mm-hmm. almost a minute. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Devin, I feel like Devin could have lasted longer. I think, you know, there are some things I could have tweaked, like I think she have wore socks. Yeah, I think, I think there's like, there's small men, like small mental things in your mind where like, Oh, the feet start getting you. Now you're like, Ooh, yeah. I don't know if I can handle it too much longer. So yeah, I think, I think next time we get you in some, we get some maybe booties or mm-hmm. something for you yeah. and you'll be able to <laughs> sit in there chilling chill and yeah.
1: Yeah, every every day I'm gonna extend that length a little bit. By the end of the winter, I'll be in there for uh, two hours every morning. Let's go. <laughs>
0: what if we're just so unrealistic? Like, I think I could spend all day in there. Maybe I'm gonna have like a working the laptop stand in there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, just chilling in there. No, I like that stuff
1: though. I like it. It'd be mm-hmm. better if we had a sauna to go in first, but or after.
0: Yeah, but we will make do with what we have for now. <laughs> we will. The the cold plunge is great the way it is. The, it's it works. It takes
1: true discipline to get into a cold plunge without a sauna. It's like the first time, maybe second time I've ever done it without a sauna. Mm. With a sauna, it's easy because you're sweating in there and you're like, cold sounds really good right now. But without a sauna, you're like, mm, I mean, this doesn't sound fun. It doesn't sound great. It doesn't sound refreshing. But let's give it a whirl.
0: Like, without, without the sauna, it's almost better. It's almost better for your mind. Oh, for sure. There's no, there's no like, and you don't, you don't see no like magical end other than like a mediocre hot shower for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Now it's just like cold. And then after that, you're like, oh, I have to get up yeah. and go into like the hot shower, which is okay. Yeah. It's almost better.
1: <laughs> our neighbors are going to think we're just <laughs> losing our minds. Yeah.
0: Like <laughs> they're gonna come out there in the morning, smoking their cigarettes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna wave, hey, good morning, neighbor, and they're just gonna like, yeah, probably look at us and
1: like call the ambulance or something. Yeah, in the summer, Austin does yoga naked out there. Nice, like,
0: dude. You thought I didn't
1: naked? <laughs> and in the Yo, winters, listen. we got a cold plunge. Nice. Officially losing our shit. <laughs> yeah. We're gonna have the cops call on us one of these mornings. Yeah, <laughs> we're like the nuts
0: neighbors. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's all right, though. Every uh, every neighborhood needs. You know, little nuts.
1: Need someone like that
0: keeps it keeps the other neighbors gives the other neighbors like something to talk about. You know? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. They like they probably have like a group group chat
1: and there's texting in there. <laughs> Did you see that? Did you see those new neighbors again? <laughs> now they're now they're swimming every morning in this cold plunge. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's funny. Dang. What's uh? So we're going to Columbia next month. Pretty pumped for that. But you have like more travels than that. You're going. <laughs> To a few different places. What's the what's the rundown?
0: Um, so yeah, for traveling, I'm going to see buddy Jalen, who's been on the podcast a while ago. Um, he lives in Tampa Bay now in Florida, so I'm gonna go see him for a little bit. Then go to Colombia and basically stay there for like a month, and then go to Costa Rica for like two weeks. And I think one thing that's like a hack when traveling. And not everyone does it, which makes it totally cool. But you can, like, live in hostels. And in some countries, they're super nice. In Colombia, there's some really nice hostels you can stay at in a lot of, like, the major cities. So that's where I'll be staying in Colombia. And hostels are, like, what, $15, $20 a night. So super cheap. You know, the cost for going down there is just cheap overall. And, yeah, it'll just be a fun time because, you know, we can work from wherever for portions of the year. So, yeah, and then we're staying in Medellin for like a week. to party. Yeah, a full week of partying. Mm-hmm. No, we're <laughs> going to do digital nomad capital of the world. I was talking to Chase yeah. about this, yeah. but we have to be focused on working because it's the oh, yeah. nomad capital of the world. Like, <laughs> can't be no messing around. We got to... <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. <laughs>
1: what's been like... Well, first of all,
0: yeah, what's been like the biggest learning experience
1: since going freelance. I feel like
0: you can get whatever you want. You just have to like sell. Mm-hmm. Kind of like um, if you want to travel, if you want to build financial abundance f- for yourself, you have to be able to sell yourself and sell your services to get to that point. Because mm-hmm. like for me, what I was even thinking about when I was talking about the trip is like for me, if I want to go on the trip, I know that's going to be costing me a little more money than if I were to just stay here. So because of that, I need to make sure that I'm still working portion of the time that I'm there. And then also, you know, I'm very conscious of either getting new projects now before I go or at least trying to close some projects. And that's a nice thing with freelance because, you know, we don't have, you know, really like kids yet or any massive financial overhead for any of us. Where we can take more risks with our careers and be freelance and, you know, be a little more flexible with how we make money, which is super nice.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like a powerful thing is you, when you're in control of, in direct control of how much money you make. Mm-hmm. And it's only dependent upon you. It's sick. Mm-hmm. It's like if you want, if you like weren't planning on traveling one winter, but then you're like, oh actually i do want to travel you're like oh but i'll need an extra like five thousand dollars six thousand dollars to go do that you can just like go find that Mm -hmm. right like you just go find a project and like go go find that and then now you've opened up this opportunity to go travel all winter Mm -hmm. just like that yeah where if you're like on a salary job it can be a lot harder you can still do it though i don't want to like shy away from that you can still find like side hustles and like make it happen Mm -hmm. but when you're like When you're freelance, like you just went like you can find your direct correlation. Like you are in full control of uh how much money you're gonna make in your business and Mm -hmm. how successful it is.
0: Yeah. And if you're like worried about traveling to another country during like the winter, like you're gonna see people that you know are from like if if the US or like I don't know, people are just from like the US, I guess have worried about like language barrier, you're gonna see people um, like down in the countries and places you go to, like you are not the only one taking the leap, type mm-hmm. of thing.
1: Yeah, you are not going to Colombia and you're like the no only one knows English, <laughs> and you are the only the only white dude there. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like a lot more people are getting comfortable with the idea of just like traveling, and yeah. Definitely chat with like grandparents stuff and stuff or just like older people and they're like, "What?" You just don't
0: you just don't talk to them about it. No, it's kind of the kind of the key there. Yeah, they think like
1: Pablo Escobar's gang is gonna yeah. like come after you. you think you're something. gonna die. Yeah, <laughs> instant death. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's so freeing though, so fun like learning about other cultures. And I'm pumped to do like a group trip though because we traveled together, like we've traveled together, but. Mm-hmm. Chase is coming. Adeline's coming. Tia's coming. Like, we're going to have a good group. Mm-hmm. So I don't yeah. think I've ever had like a solid group trip
0: like that. Yeah, it'll be fun. And then we get, we got to go to London at some point with even a bigger
1: group. Go to London. That'd be sick. Yeah. Just a full Europe tour would be sick. Go to yeah. like, all the cities over there. Mm-hmm. Oh, dude. Yeah. Or sick. Iceland. I was talking to Chase. We should do Iceland in the summertime. Mm. I feel like that's a fairly easy trip as well. What's over there? Are you snowboard or... No, it's just like a lot of uh, outdoor like stuff, Outdoor stuff, yeah. Mm. They have the Blue Lagoon there, which is sick. Oh, yeah. I think I've seen yeah. photos
0: and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that place would be cool. Yeah.
1: They have a ton of waterfalls. Uh, just that place is Mars. Like it is Mars. Mm. But yeah, dude. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I wanted to chat a little about real estate because in uh, 2018, we thought we were going to buy a house for $0 down <laughs> the next year, basically. Thought that we we're going to be real estate tycoons in like the next year um you've now bought your first property and hopefully many more or like some of the highs and lows for you when you purchase this first house
1: yeah i guess i mean yeah it's just like a lot it was it's just going to be kind of complicated when you're self-employed and when your spouse is i think she was set up as self-employed as well before at that time, but uh, yeah, it can just be like more complicated to like get a house for sure. Mm-hmm. Just I remember I had to send in like just files and files of like everything income related. So if you have like multiple businesses, that's tough. Like you just got to send in so much stuff and like years of history and all that. Um, so that was a lot of like work, but I think uh, like we had a very fairly easy process of buying a home. Like this was the first house we toured out of like we toured her tia didn't even tour them she was working like i just went with nate who's our realtor shout out to nate but we uh he showed us like four houses one day and this was the first one we toured and then like at the end of the day this was like the one so we put in an offer and got it like like that um and yeah it's been it's been good it's been a lot of like learning just like like a great learning experience of like how houses work Mm -hmm. um
0: I think there's how like, they don't work. Yeah, how they don't
1: work. <laughs> I was just gonna say there's like a lot of positives and negatives to getting mm-hmm. into real estate or getting homes. Um they're not passive income. Like <laughs> I think, you know, back when we were looking into real estate when we were young, like 18, 19 years old, and you and I would like talk about getting rentals, we had this idea of, yeah, you just buy a house, you put someone in it, and then you're just good for life. Mm-hmm. But houses like have problems all the time and they like break and things go wrong and you get bad tenants and all this stuff. And I'm just like fully aware that those are all problems that we're going to have to deal with and continue to deal with. Um, but it's been good. I definitely enjoy living in a house more than I did in an apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, just having a yard simply like mm-hmm. so much better. Yeah. Um, it
0: seems like just the more space you have in general, the better your mental health is. Yeah, like if you're in an apartment, there's like re- weird restrictions, or like you have to if you want to go outside, you gotta like go downstairs and go out to the whatever they have is like a their green space. It's, it's like a lot fake of them don't have a yeah. and Yeah, like f- people everywhere. Like, mm-hmm.
1: yeah, it's not really like your own zone. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, it's been good. I think uh, you know, we're gonna continue buying real estate, and. I mean, we want to get like five, we want to have five properties in now like four and a half years over the next, so like five properties in five years is our goal. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, then we'll see where we go from there. I don't know, like we'll see if we end up taking real estate and just like getting a crap load of properties or if we just like have some properties and that's like our retirement plan in a way where we're going to have these nested properties for when we retire one day that are cash flowing and we can live off of that or sell the properties for a buttload of money and mm-hmm. live off of that or whatever that may be. I feel like that's just a lot better of a retirement plan than like putting money in a Roth IRA. Mm-hmm. I know we we're talking about that recently and yeah, it's I'd rather put my money in assets that like generate cash flow or pay for the appreciate or pay for the actual equity within the property. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we're shopping for another one right now we're starting to in the spring here for a multifamily home and just get one a year. That's the goal right now. And, uh, yeah, yeah, it'll be good.
0: Cause you want to build, you want to buy one where you can like fix it up. Yeah.
1: Well I have a goal to do like a house project this year or like a renovation of some sort. So, um, yeah, the multifamily will probably need like the hope is we buy something that's like we need some work so we can add value to it right away. Um, in a perfect world can move in and work on stuff for a few months and get it dialed and that uh, increases the value of property as well as allows you to charge more for rent in that unit Um, versus you buy something that's already fixed up the person that fixed it is making the margins on that when they sell it to you so yeah I think that that is a lot better play um, long term to like instantly have a good amount of equity in the home um and just add add value, which allows you to raise raise rents um right off the bat. So but I don't I don't like know a ton about real estate yet. I'm just trying to learn. I do know there's like lots of tax benefits to being in real estate, which everyone knows. And I know that it's a great place to park your money. Mm-hmm. And I know that there's always gonna be a need for places to for people to rent. Um, there's like a huge shortage at all times for places to rent. Mm. Um, and with that being said, I also think people are priced out of homes Mm. and that you can't buy a home in the city or in a suburb in the nicer areas on like an average salary anymore. So those people are going to have to rent and, um, you know, that's obviously sucks, but also if you're someone that wants to take advantage of an opportunity like you can provide great places for people to live um and that's great as well so yeah that's we're just gonna keep getting them and keep learning as we go and um yeah it should be fun mm-hmm. it's fun owning homes it's yeah. fun and then there's a lot of work to them as well and there's a lot of worry as well but for some reason it doesn't even feel like we own this home i don't know maybe it's because we all just live together it feels like we're all just yeah i don't know i forget like sometimes that we own this house (laughs) yeah it's like
0: we're all renting yeah to somebody yeah yeah. (laughs) well the banks own the homes right like no one actually owns their house it's like wasn't the bank supposed to show up and like blow the snow yeah. yeah 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 the, yeah the bank's supposed to like come take all the trash that's what Austin yeah. things
1: Austin things like the bank comes and takes care of everything. nice dude
0: yeah i forgot i pulled up that recycle bin yesterday yeah. it was empty yeah Austin awesome. kind of doesn't all all do shit around here i just want to put nice. that on the podcast <laughs> just keep me around here just for a little spills coffee all over the rugs
1: nice. <laughs> oh, but no it's
0: it's good it's good um where do you see the real estate opportunity around Minneapolis to be. So like
1: I said, I'm not like probably the guy to ask real estate questions about. Real estate tycoon
0: is definitely not.
1: (laughs) Yeah, definitely not. Um I am staying out of Minneapolis and Saint Paul and stay sticking in the suburbs, not buying in the cities. I think uh it's just a mess. Just a little bit of a mess going on in there right now. And um I just wanna stay out of it. Plus there's like rent control in the city right now and I'm not a socialist. So I uh will let them do their thing and I'll do my thing out here and charge whatever I want for rent because that's how the world works. So yeah, I will uh I don't know what will happen in Minneapolis, Saint Paul. I think um I believe in the city long term, but from the real estate side of things I don't know. Um yeah, I've no clue. I do. So, obviously like interest rates are going up, but home prices are always co- also coming down and like if you really look at things I mean like there's these posts that people all post it's like here's what a $1 million home would cost per month at this interest rate and here's how much it would cost at this interest rate. It's like, "Whoa, your payment is 2,000 more a month," but it's like people forget that People were paying $1.1 or $1.2 million for a million dollar home a year ago. Like they were overpaying dramatically for homes where now people are getting better deals on homes. So the payment comes out to be just like the same. Mm-hmm. So um, we got in at a good time, I think, where we got a solid rate, but also the market was slowing down a lot. So we um, the appraisal actually came in high on this place, which is good. So we have some equity in the place, but the market's probably going to come down as well. So we'll lose that and that's fine. But it's just such a long game for us. Like, I don't know, like I believe in Minneapolis, St. Paul and the suburbs like long term and that the cities are going to continue to grow. And I continue to see there being a need for a rental market. So we're going to play out the long the long game. Um, we're not flipping houses and stuff. So we don't have to think about short term market conditions. When T and I plan on holding our properties for a long, long time, mm-hmm. so we know if we hold them till we're fifty years old, we're going to be able to sell them for a lot more mm-hmm. than what we got them for. Plus, they'll be paid off. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't want to throw any like predictions out there. I don't know <laughs> what I'm talking about. I like trade the stock market, and I can tell you what's going to happen there yeah. a little more, but not not in a well, not in real estate.
0: <laughs> what's going to happen with the stock market? I haven't dove into it too much. I Feel like things are down, yeah. Good things amount. are down for sure. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, since I, I feel like I heard, yeah, I feel like I heard my I dad talk it. about
1: his retirement being down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, give, give us an update. I mean, trading, I'm like a short term trader, so I can like tell you what's gonna most likely happen over like a five minute period. Um, but I have predictions of what'll happen in the over the next six months, and I th- like the stock market leads, so um, the stock market makes moves before the rest of the economy and world does, so like the biggest determination I think is gonna be like the actual economy itself and if that holds up um, over the next six to twelve months, and uh that'll kind of determine what the stock market does as well, but i th- so I personally think. We make one more low at least and see some real pain in the market um, before we go higher. So that's like my prediction, but I'm willing to like, I'm ready to like play like no matter what. So I think that's like a great way to look at it. Like, I think it's going to go lower one more time. We're going to make a new low, but if it doesn't, I'm ready to like, make some money. Um, so, yeah. That's, that's kind of my thoughts on it right now. Mm.
0: But I think we go, I I do think we go lower
1: one more time. Mm.
0: How do you think that
1: will affect like the economy? Yeah. I mean the stock market and the economy, I mean the economy, I mean, if we're out there, yeah, I mean, they're basically like forcing us into a recession right now with interest rates. So until that flips around,
0: I mm. don't think, yeah, I think. What do you think that? What do you think would flip that around? Make the things better. Fed, the Fed in the, in the future. Um, I, don't, I feel like. I feel like the government is just like has. They're just gonna like. I feel like there's no stop on printing money in the government. Yeah, and I don't see things getting better. No, and we were talking about that last night. I definitely
1: don't see America's spending getting any better and I'm not talking about like I don't see I I don't see like tip like American citizens spending it getting better either I'm talking like the government spending getting any better just continue it's just so bad It's just so bad how much money they waste on stuff Mm -hmm. and that's gonna that can like be the be like the death of America honestly that's be the death of our country um so I can't be super bullish on America until that problem gets fixed. Until these like massive spending bills that are going to absolutely nothing. If you see that recent bill, that like the one point seven trillion dollar mm. bill, that it's like ridiculous. What is in it? Mm. It's nuts. It's just like burning money, <laughs> and it's the re like I don't care about politics, but that is not their money. So that's why I have a, I can have a problem with it because I pay a lot in taxes. So, mm-hmm. but anyone that pays any taxes can have a problem with it. For sure. So, yeah, I could see that being the death of like our country. As, like we could have some serious problems there. Mm-hmm. But, or are we too big to fail? Like we talked about that as well. Yeah. Are we too big to fail as a country? Yeah. Because uh, other countries rely on our economy as well. Mm-hmm. So who knows what's going to happen there i try i try not to be like i'm not like a doomsday prepper like betting on this th- horrible thing that can happen i feel like it's a lot safer of a bet to not um put all your uh all your chips in that basket personally mm-hmm. like i think we'll
0: be fine like, i think we'll be fine but we're also kind of like due for a little bit of a dip Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Theoretically, yeah. like in Ray Dalio's book, uh, The the Changing World Order, mm-hmm. technically China is supposed to rise as like a power in the world over like the U.S. The yeah. U.S. is just going to in like into a dip. Oh, yeah. I mean, there, China is like... But China also has its like difficulties with things. Yeah. Greater than like the U.S., it seems like. Yeah, and China can
1: have a little more power over the over their citizens or has a lot more power over their citizens which allows them to advance a little they're able to advance a little quicker because they have less morals i could say mm. around how they treat their people so yeah so they're that's like what's sad about it is like they can probably advance quicker than us in some ways because of they're able to like bend their rules a little more mm. which is fucked up
0: Americans love uh, love manufacturing in China, though. Yeah,
1: yeah. (laughs) It's uh, there needs to be like something. They need to figure that out because I would. I think we can all agree we'd pay more for products if they were made here.
0: Yeah, for sure. That's yeah, yeah.
1: Like, if this microphone company, which is definitely not made here,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: was made here, you would pay, and not even mention the fact that like we have gotten our manufacturing costs down here a lot. Like we are almost not quite there mm-hmm. down to where they're at. But like if you incorporate like how much it takes to get all that product over here and all that cost, um, like we're almost there. So like would Americans pay 10% more for things to be made
0: here? Mm-hmm. I personally would. We should at least have that option. Mm-hmm. I think if you on the site that you like show... Um the products and stuff. You put a video of like the manufacturing facility for this product and yeah. the manufacturing facility for like the US product. Yeah. It'd be like very different.
1: Oh, for sure. Like literally show the working conditions and yeah. As well as just like that country as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um and our buddy Jeff had a good idea as well. Um where he's like, Yeah, like Apple, for example, should have two iPhones and One should be made in America, one should be made in China, and the one that's made in America should have, like, some little sign that it's, like, Mm. made in America. Like, maybe the circles around the camera are red, (laughs) or, like, something cool about it where, like, people see it and know you got the one that's made in America, and you paid the 100 bucks more to support the American economy. And it it would work because (laughs) who wants to have the one that's made in China? Nobody would. No one would. So... Mm -hmm. The reason we buy these ones now is because we don't have a choice, mm-hmm. but we'd be happy to support the ones made in America if we had that option. Yeah. Did you do, Did you listen to that
0: podcast yet? The one of uh, the battery material? Uh, I think I saw like a snippet from it. They talk about like uh, everything that goes into like making a battery. The no, products. it's the mining the material. Mm. Oh my gosh, it's
1: nuts, dude. There's
0: like child labor over in like...
1: Uh where is it like central southern Africa? I forgot what country it is in. Um, but it's nuts. They're like there's like kids hand mining like thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people out there mining for like batteries in electric cars and in these things and in anything that needs a battery. Mm-hmm. And the mines are like collapse on people and people just die and people die every day. People are getting cancer from the, mm. from the materials that mm-hmm. come out of the ground, like from the, yeah, it's nuts, dude. It's like, holy cow. Yeah. It's wild. And that's like, that is the beginning of the supply chain for all the technology we use. Mm-hmm. Anything that has a battery. Yeah. You just kind of like
0: look past that.
1: It's like, oh, it's
0: a battery. Um Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's yeah, Yeah, the electric car is good for the world. Like, oh, bottom in the supply chain. There's like a kid with a pickaxe. Mm-hmm. Wild. Yeah. People don't want to know
0: that though. Don't, don't want to know that. That was nuts. So that was a wild podcast. Yeah. This podcast might get taken down. Yeah, secrets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <But> if, <laughs> what if I nostrils. like manually removed it? What if I manually took it down yeah. after this? Oh, you'd be a real <laughs> asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Podcast might get taken down.
1: Yeah. The masters.
0: <laughs> you, you guys can send me mail via written letter. Yeah. From now on. Yeah. In a <laughs>
1: this prediction is right. I get taken down. Yeah. You can buy his course. Buy, huh? yeah, buy, my, <laughs> buy
0: my course. Buy my agency. Uh, sign up. Yeah. You can buy it. <laughs> oh,
1: man. You never getting that dude on your podcast any, again.
0: Nice.
2: <laughs> oh, oh,
1: how are you feeling about... Um, like the new year and kind of like your first full year freelance as well as like documenting that journey like what kind of I guess let's start there like what made you because you're being super transparent about your journey as a freelancer and you're literally sharing like numbers and everything yeah
0: I feel like I could be more transparent but I don't know like the best way to do it I mean I'm sharing numbers which is good yeah that's about as transparent as it gets dude like yeah you're sharing
1: your journey to a hundred thousand first hundred thousand revenue mm-hmm. in the first year on TikTok, on Instagram. What does that feel like to be doing that? Was it like is it like hard to do that?
0: Or was that like what
1: was your thought process behind that, I guess?
0: Yeah, my main thought of it is my initial thought of it was to show other people that's possible. Mm-hmm. If I can do it then anyone that has like a valid skill set and learns learns some skills via like YouTube, reading some good books you just go try to do it. Anyone can do it. That's like my main goal with it. And the other thought that's more negative that I have out is like, oh, people might think that I'm like trying to show off like, oh, I can make like money. I made this much money and stuff like that. So that's like the other mindset that or not mindset, but like the other thought that I've had about it. But it's not one that I even try to really engage with because my main goal with it is just to show people it's possible. Mm hmm. and yeah, that's my mission with it is just to show people that, you know, you can have your own schedule, do your own, get your own clients, develop your own skills, live the life you want to live within your means. And you, it's possible and you can make a good uh, salary, you know, pay yourself good from doing it. Nice. Yeah. Have you had any negative responses to it at all? Or has it all
1: been positive?
0: Yeah, majority is positive. There's maybe like... I got one response, which is, which I like actually like thought about for a little bit, but then I just was like, whatever. Um, it was about like burnout. He's like, he basically calculated my hourly rate from when I started going out. He's like, dude, you're making blah blah blah, like you're gonna like burn out from this or whatever. Like he's he said something that he burned out from it, and that's why he quit. Mm. He basically made an excuse, and what he did was because he didn't make it, he's now trying he's now trying to commit get me to not make it. Mm. That's what is going through, and when you can start to think in that mindset of like, any time someone tells you that or tries to get you not to do something, it's because they didn't do it. Yeah, that's like the biggest thing. So he's trying for me to not do it because he wasn't able to do it. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't want to see me get to that point because he wishes he was at that point. Type of thing. That is so so pop. Like that's so common to happen.
1: It's like, yeah scary shit yeah
0: and so like I mean now now basically social media like I'll post on there but I mean I might I might engage with like a comment if it's like good or asking a good question I'll try to but people that like reach out and stuff I almost even if they're asking things like I almost won't even respond to it just because I don't want to like get into that I don't want to get into like me feeling like I have to like respond to people's questions because if you're willing to like dive into some things and you're going to encounter lots of different thoughts and stuff and that can just like derail you. So mm-hmm. the more time you spend off social media and comparing yourself to other people's progress, the better you're off. Like you go on social media and like, see, like, Oh, this person did that. And that other person did that. And it's way farther ahead and like doing stuff with like AI and like, Oh dang, I wish I could be doing that. You just gotta like get off of it. Yeah. <laughs> Cause it's just not good. Yeah.
1: So. Yeah, for sure. I agree with that. That mm-hmm. is interesting though. Like the, the, Whole thing of like someone that failed at something, trying to convince someone to not do it. Mm-hmm. Um, usually, it's by like older people that took a risk and it didn't work out. Mm-hmm. Like I heard it a lot with trading. Um,
0: yeah, trading's a big one. Yeah, like yeah.
1: Uh, older, like someone who tried it twenty years ago and like they lost all their money, or they had an uncle who lost their savings, and this person or that person. And I had so many people in the beginning tell me that, those like stories. And every time I was just like, I'm different. Like, I am different. Like, I will succeed at this. Like Mm -hmm. That is not me. I am not that person. Mm -hmm. I will do whatever it takes to succeed at it. They failed and quit. Mm -hmm. You don't fail when you like take an L. You fail when you quit. Mm -hmm. And I've failed so many times at trading, but I've never quit. So I've never truly failed never actually failed even like getting into real estate i've like so many people are like well what if the aren't you buying kind of high that was a big one (laughs) isn't it like a bad time to buy like in the in the in the real estate market it's like these are people that have never even they don't even know what it looks like to buy a house like they've never bought a house and it's like these are just people that saw a headline that the housing market is super high like prices and that or you hear things like oh yeah my my uncle he had two rental properties and he always had to go over there and fix stuff they always were calling him Mm -hmm. and it's like yeah because he had two rental properties and it wasn't worth it for him to hire a management company to take care of it like it's also the number one way to build wealth the easiest way to build wealth like so you, you just hear stories all the time of like The negative aspect of it and it honestly makes me sad because a lot of those comments come from people that weren't actually the people that were negatively affected by it it's just they heard stories Mm -hmm. and that means they were convinced that they were convinced out of it like Mm kind of like this guy's trying to like talk you out of it Mm -hmm. these people that are telling me those stories were talked out of it maybe they brought up day trading to their uncle that lost savings and he talked them out of it when they could have been different they could have been successful at it, maybe they were passionate about it. So, yeah, it's just a bummer to see people not only give up at something, but then also feel the need to try to get others to give up mm-hmm. at it. Yeah. And like, even something like an hourly rate, this might cause burnout, this and that, you're early on. Like, mm-hmm. you may not be getting the best hourly rate, but you just started a few months ago, like, yeah. and your prices are already increasing dramatically. It's just the beginning mm-hmm. um i mean a lot of people when they start a business they're working for free right mm-hmm. a lot of people when they do startups like they're just living off their savings yeah and trying to make the startup work and speaking of horrible hourly rate at zero dollars an hour bro like they're they're willing to mm-hmm. they're willing to take that risk you know yeah
0: I remember seeing a TikTok of that mark cuban did on shark tank and He's like I'd rather make 50 grand a year doing what I love than making like 150 grand Mm -hmm. a year doing what I hate. And just like walked out of the room was like the sickest. (laughs) Yeah. Sickest TikTok ever. I've seen Um, that. Yeah. It was savage. It was like the bass drops. But yeah. Yeah. It's it's so true. And like that was something that I felt when I was when I was because I was at the agency that I was working for like a few years. Learned a ton. It was really good for me to just like start and. Help them grow and they did definitely grow a lot during that time and then like I feel like there's a period where um I was starting to get like negative almost to like other people doing things and I became like aware of that like it wasn't massively negative but I was feeling resentment or negativity around like other people growing or creating things and I was kind of still where I was at for the last like year two years and I felt like I needed a new challenge and because like, I think during times where you're trying to figure something out or you feel like a lot of negative voices in your head, you have to like start silencing things like don't go on your phone, uh, work less so that you have time to think and like process what you want your next steps to be. And mm-hmm. that's something I did before I moved to freelance was I almost like go on walks and stuff and think about what you want to do next because it's only going to help your next stage in life and... I felt like it was the time that I needed to take the next step in like my uh, professional growth, just yeah. like what I wanted to do. And personally, um, and that's, that's how I kind of like figured it out was I was like, had these thoughts in my head of like, Ooh, like I, I could do this and I've kind of wanted to, to try this thing and other people are like doing cool things and they're cr- like creating their life and they all work for themselves. Like it's, it's something that I wanted to do and mm-hmm. I just had to like do it because that was, those were the voices in my head that was telling me, and so I have to just do that type of thing.
1: Yeah. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Resentment towards other people's w- wins or growth mm-hmm. is bad. Yeah. You're definitely yeah. like, if you're feeling that, yeah, you're ready for a change of some sort. Mm-hmm. And yeah, especially like you sometimes see it where friends get jealous of friends or resentment. We have a really good friend group, so we don't deal with that. We all cheer each other on. But I definitely have dealt with that in the past, where you want you do you want someone who, when you're down about something or going through something really hard, they can also like be there with you and um, help you through that. Mm -hmm. And they're not cheering like they're not happy that you're going through that hard time. And that same person, when you are going through a win. They're happy, not jealous. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, sadly, and these are not like real friends, it's the opposite. They see you going through a battle or something hard and they're happy that to see you like going through that. They're like, yes, like good. Mm-hmm. good. Yeah. Or they see you win and they're jealous. And that's just not. Yeah. If you're in that mindset, you got to like change something about your own life. Mm-hmm. So that way you don't think that way. Yeah. That's actually, tough though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wildy. Yeah,
0: I even think about it in the sense of like one thing you can think about before you're going to take a risk is, will I regret this later on? Like something that I've thought about for movement culture and we can talk about it is mm-hmm. not having the opportunity to get so-and-so on. Yeah, to speak. And to speak, like having that opportunity and being close to it, but not being able to get it quite yet. Mm-hmm. That'd be That'd be something that I would regret from not from like this opportunity um but yeah we can if you want to talk about because i think i was gonna combine movement culture and sixth floor into decisions you've had to make in like the last two years or so Mm -hmm. that have been like tough because you've you've been able to like build something that people really like and like to be a part of but then having to kind of like shut them down close them down yeah what has that been like for you um yeah i mean it's tough because
1: when you build like a business around community there's more to the business than just operating as a business right like there's other people involved and usually like a lot of other people so no matter what it feels like you're letting someone down or letting a group of people down and with both of those both of those things like that's kind of what it felt like um you have to like put your own self first in those situations you know yeah like if you don't feel right about um if you don't feel right about the opportunity anymore then you should step away and i think for me this year common theme has been eliminating things that don't align with like a 10 to 20 year goal like 10 to 20 year goals like long-term goals if these things don't align with that, they need to be eliminated, so I can spend more time doing things that do align with that mm-hmm. um, and like sixth floor is in an industry that I'm really passionate about, but it wasn't working, and it wasn't like the community that I wanted it to be, so I had to make the decision just to like shut it down. Mm-hmm. And there were some people that didn't even realize it shut down because they weren't even actively using it, mm-hmm. and there are a few select people that were obviously very sad to see it shut down. Um. So yeah, yeah, it's tough whenever, whenever you have to shut anything down that you like put a lot of work into, but mm-hmm. it's just part of it. I think. Um. A lot of entrepreneurs deal with. Sh- some of them deal with like shiny object syndrome and that can be like the reason they don't ever reach their full potential. And, uh, saying no to good opportunities is fine. Like saying no to something that's a really good idea or opportunity is completely fine. Like both like sixth floor could have been a huge business, huge opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, but saying no, just cause, of, just cause of that doesn't mean it's like, something you should pursue. Same with like movement culture, right? hmm So I don't know. What are your thoughts on that stuff? Just like, sh- like shutting things down or like, I don't know. Especially yeah. with movement culture. What, what are your...
0: I mean, if we're not all fully in it, then we might as well just do something that we're fully in. hmm You know? We were at fully in. And I mean, for like the the context movement cultures, like basically we've had, it's just been difficult to like continually run. Mm-hmm. I guess and... Everyone wants to go, but at the same time, it's like, are you going to really show up? Are you going to buy tickets? Um, so that's just been difficult. And yeah, if not everyone's in it, we just have to, you know, close things down or put it on pause until everyone's able to bring their full potential and energy into it because it's, it's not worth it. Yeah. You know, to do it.
1: Yeah. They take a lot of work and energy. Mm -hmm. and um yeah it just wasn't sustainable how it was running Mm -hmm. like we weren't gonna be able to do, do it for a long time at the current stage it was um so yeah i think like anything i build i want it to be able to be built into a large scale like like anything I do in the future, I want it to be able to be big, right? Mm-hmm. Like I want to look at scale from the beginning and ask myself, again, 10 year does this line with where I want to be in 10 years In 10 years I have huge ambitions. Will this thing get me there? And a little side hustle isn't going to get me there. So I'm trying to think about bigger picture now. Like what, what is something If any opportunity comes to me, I'm asking myself, how big can this become? Mm -hmm. And I definitely think movement culture and events can be huge, Mm -hmm. can absolutely be huge. Um, But the missing piece of the puzzle there was, I don't actually like like, throwing events. Isn't that fun? Mm -hmm. For me, at least. Um, Yeah. And for us as a group. Mm -hmm. And uh, just didn't get the enjoyment out of the actual process of it. Mm -hmm. The night of the events, unreal, right? Yeah, they're fun. The two weeks before, (laughs) not so fun. (laughs) Yeah. Not so fun. It may look fun online and through social media, and Mm -hmm. it may look like, wow, that'd be fun to throw an event like that. And uh, the feeling we got on the night of the events is what kept us going into the next one. Mm -hmm. That high kept us going into the next one and gave us enough energy to go into the next one. Mm-hmm. But then you have like some cancellations and some You punch in the face a few times, <laughs> you kinda lose that feeling real quick. Yeah. So
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: But we'll see. We'll
0: see. I'm excited yeah. for the next the next 12 months here. Mm-hmm. Um were some like goals that you have or things you want to do professionally and just like personally.
1: Um, yeah, just, uh, a lot of, a lot of trading goals this year. Um, just a lot around like discipline around trading and taking it extremely serious. Uh, the market's been super challenging, but I've learned a lot over the past year specifically, just trading completely different market conditions. So really doubling down on that. Um, going to travel this year. I want to do some sort of trip like a give back trip or like a mission trip of some sort this year. Um, I want to get another property. And uh, and what are some other goals I had? I don't even know. Hmm. That can be
0: talked about. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I'm going to have to look up.
1: Yeah. I mean, <laughs> goals up. goals are great. I, I don't know. I think like for me, I, I I like having goals, but I also... I'm more... I'm more, like, focus on the steps that get me to where I... Just, like, my dream life, you know? For sure. Instead of, like, this is... Yeah, this is a very specific goal that I want to... Yeah. I'd rather just, like, create a life where I can just live those goals in general, you know? Mm. Like, instead of, like, having a goal to... I get my pilot's license. I want to like have that as a goal, but also create a life that allows me to just do that whenever Mm -hmm. I feel like it. Mm -hmm. Just have the time and the money to be able to do it. Yeah. So yeah, Mm -hmm. not that I'm super high on getting my pilot's license. That was just an example. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. How about you? Mm, Yeah. I mean, I set some like life goals that basically have like have my own business as one of them, which I've kind of already done. Um, I want to do like martial arts for my lifetime. So whether that be jujitsu or like kickboxing, basically like learning how to fight. It's a big one for me. So I'm just continuing with jujitsu, uh, reading books, just continue to read like once a month, at least a book. Um, Still doing the podcast. As of right now, I still want to do like a podcast once a month, three week. Nice, dude. <laughs> I want to do like once a month, but also I want to put more time into them. Like, They're going to take a little longer to like put out like maybe two weeks, but I want to make them like a little better. I want to make them better. Um, Also, just my the time that I put into them, like trying maybe trying like a different editing style, trying to put out, trying to take more video clips from them Mm -hmm. to put out Um, just because I have like I want to be more intentional with that because I also I want to put more of my time into also what I do for work and just like learning that. So that's where the majority of my time goes into is learning like Shopify development and trying to become the best that I can at that. And that's like my primary goal for it. So, yeah, it was probably like a few of mine. Nice. Mm -hmm. Sweet, dude. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Should be be a fun year. Yes. Some good traveling in. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Full year of living with the boys.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's the first
1: time we've lived in like with like. Well, I know for me at least. You too, right? Like living with a big group of people,
0: right? For, for living with
1: a larger group of people. Oh, like uh,
0: yeah. I mean, in college, I
1: live with like some people. Some people, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's my first time living with like more than two or three people. Yeah, but it's have been you good.
0: You've been liking
1: it. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, yeah. There's positives and negatives, but I think it's a net positive.
0: <laughs> That's good to hear. Oh, Tia, Tia, do you have a question for Devin?
1: Yeah, like she'd have a question.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I was living with the house full of people. Just nice. talked about that. Oh. All right. Well, Devin. to <sighs> wrap up this podcast. drop us with some uh nears. Anything you wanna say? Oh, Whatever. Man. Um get that bread. No, okay. Let's go.
1: No, just uh, see you guys next year.
0: Yeah. Sick. All right, <laughs> uh, dude. Good having you on, brother. Podcast legend. Yeah. I'm going to have to create like a podcast hall of fame yeah. for you. <laughs>
1: nice. Thanks for having See me, dude. dude. See oh. you soon.
0: <laughs> nice, dude. See you next year, bro. I'll send.